0: Primary election of 2024, number two, is tonight. It's in New Hampshire. I'll be streaming live starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. We will get results. One very interesting and troubling aspect to this is the impact of artificial intelligence, deep fakes, and cloned voices. And we're dealing with this right now. Yesterday, this is a crime, to be clear. A robocall purporting to be from President Joe Biden suggesting to Democratic voters that they stay home was sent out to an as yet unknown number of New Hampshire voters. It certainly sounds like Joe Biden. We will hear it in a moment, and it is really important to understand that this is a crime. NBC News reports the New Hampshire attorney general's office is investigating what appears to be an unlawful attempt at voter suppression after NBC News reported on a robocall impersonating President Joe Biden which told recipients not to vote in tonight's primary. I think it is critically important to listen to this a little bit. It certainly sounds like Joe Biden. We've messed around with some of these tools. We fed it some of my voice and then typed in what we wanted it to say. And even to me, it almost sounded like me. Listen to this.
1: You know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2.
0: So that is a completely farcical call in the sense that it has nothing to do whatsoever with Joe Biden. An investigation is ongoing. This is a form of election interference, not the imaginary forms that Donald Trump talks about, but real election interference. People have been convicted for this in the past. You might remember back in 2022, Jacob Wall, who and Jack Berkman, who ran this scam where um, fraudulent robocalls went out to 85000 people in Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois and Ohio. There is another story about Douglas Mackey, as reported here by The New York Times. This was from about uh, five, six months ago. And this is an individual who spread Internet memes meant to fool people into not voting for Hillary in 2016. And um, he was ultimately sentenced to seven months in prison. So this is indeed election interference. It's a form of election fraud. Whoever did it will hopefully be prosecuted. But even if this individual is prosecuted, we just have to acknowledge this is going to be a problem. I do not speak on the phone or answer my phone or anything, uh, but there are lots of people who do. And if you do at any point now, you could get a call from someone who genuinely sounds like they are whoever someone, you know, through the media, someone, you know, personally, and it might not be them. How is this going to be dealt with? I don't have the answers yet, but being aware of the fact that this is possible is the first step. A Nikki Haley supporter explained that while they are supporting Haley in the primary, if ultimately the nominee. Is Trump, they will vote vote for Biden over Trump. You know, I we're going to look at this is Jen Psaki from MSNBC interviewing this gentleman, and I, I believe he's a gentleman. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, he is saying the same thing that some of my more moderate friends say, which is I don't love Biden, but he's not terrible. Trump's absolutely disgusting. I'm supporting Nikki, And if Nikki loses, ultimately, I will vote for Joe Biden. That's what this individual says. Let's take a listen.
1: You're going to support on Tuesday? Yes, I
2: think I have. I think I'm a Nikki supporter.
0: Are you open to supporting Joe Biden?
2: I am. I voted for him in the last election. Um, I haven't been pleased with some of his policies.
0: What have you been most displeased
2: with? Just just the spending. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: By the way. Totally meaningless. I'm, I'm displeased with the spending. Oh, which spending? And do you know that a bunch of those programs are economically stimulative and they actually generate more for the economy than what they cost? It's not even worth it. Right. Oh, I'm I don't like the spending. Oh, boy. Give me a break, dude.
2: And, and his treatment of the, the border. I think we've got real problems that he's failing to recognize and do something with. Um, but he's a much better choice than than Trump.
0: All right. So that is not a super rare occurrence. It's not the majority of the Republican Party, but there is a slice of the Republican electorate that has that view. It's called putting what you believe to be best for the country ahead of what you believe to be best for your political party. And the question is, how big a slice of the electorate is it? Um One of my friends knows Nikki Haley's not going to win, but he's going through the motions. He's going to vote for her in the primary, assuming she's still in it by the time that he votes. And um, if it doesn't go that way, then uh, Trump is not going to be the guy. Here's an interview also from MSNBC with a New Hampshire Republican who voted Trump twice but says that that is not happening again. And
1: people who are say that they plan to support her. You hear a mix of voters that are unlikely allies.
0: I consider myself a, a, a traditional
1: Republican 26 year old Joseph Mueller is planning to vote for Nikki Haley in Tuesday's New Hampshire primary policy wise. I am more in line with Haley. But the law school student and self-described moderate conservative says his support is driven by another candidate.
3: I'm thrilled to be back in the great state of New Hampshire.
1: Right
4: now, Nick Yale is clearly the one that has the best chance of, of defeating Trump. And that's top priority, defeating Trump. That's, that's my top priority.
1: The polling since Donald Trump's historic win in Iowa shows the former president leading by double digits in New Hampshire, but facing a tougher challenge from his former U.N. ambassador. I voted for him twice and I was just humiliated when I
0: saw that the guy I voted for the way he handled himself after he lost. We need a new. By the way, it's funny when it listen, this, this seems like a perfectly nice guy. And he's, of course, come around to the logic of saying I'm not voting for Trump again. That was crazy. But when Trump spends the entire summer before the 2020 election telling you exactly how he's going to behave after the election and then he does it and you go, I was shocked by what he did. Uh, all right. Generation of
1: conservative leaders Mueller is a key part of the coalition of voters Haley has been trying to build from conservatives open to a new party leader and anti Trump Republicans to undeclared or independent voters who in New Hampshire
0: are legally allowed to participate in the Republican primary. All right. So you get it. A bunch of people who support Nikki Haley but won't support Trump. Obviously, from our perspective, the hope would be that that slice is big enough. That it could be the difference maker for Joe Biden in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, et cetera. Tonight, we'll get some very useful data. Trump's going to win tonight. Uh, again, I, I don't see any way when you look at the polling of, of thinking Nikki Haley will win. Trump's going to win. But the question of by how much and the question of and where do Nikki Haley supporters go next, those are the questions whose answers will be significantly informative for what's to come in November. Former Democratic candidate and Democratic uh, a primary candidate Andrew Yang is endorsing Dean Phillips for the Democratic nomination. You might say, David, I didn't think there was a Democratic primary going on. There isn't. But if there were, there's a sort of pantomime of one in which Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson are running against Joe Biden. Andrew Yang spoke yesterday, endorsed Dean Phillips and asked her uh, his dear friend Marianne Williamson to drop out Andrew Yang calling for Marianne Williamson to end her campaign. Marianne doesn't like it. Let's listen to what Andrew Yang said. Then I will tell you what Marianne Williamson said things that Americans expect and deserve.
1: Uh, I ask you to join us in challenging the true enemy. The true enemy is the political establishment that does not care about our families and communities and uh, media. Cabal that will suppress or demonize anyone who wants to change things on behalf of the people of this country. Marianne Dean is our best chance to change things. I am looking forward to serving in his administration and I hope that you will join us. Yeah.
0: There it is. Calling for Marianne to end her campaign, endorse Dean Phillips and join in what he believes is their best chance. Marianne Williamson, not happy putting out a tweet on Twitter or as we now know them excretions on X. Wow, Andrew Yang, the days of a woman stepping aside on the assumption that a man can do a better job are over deeply disappointed in you guys. And the answer is no. Now, statistically speaking, if you want to beat Joe Biden in the primary. I get where you come away with the idea that Dean Phillips is the best chance. If we look at, for example, New Hampshire polling, we see that it's Phillips 16 and Williamson five based on those numbers. It certainly seems like Dean Phillips has uh, the, the better chance in an American research poll. It's Phillips 32 in New Hampshire and Williamson three. If you look more generally. At uh, national primaries, you've got Phillips three and Williamson two in a Redfield and Wilton strategies poll. Uh, Where else is Marianne Williamson on this in a Harris X messenger poll? She is leading Phillips nine to four. So I mean, listen, on average, Dean Phillips is doing better than Marianne Williamson. Does should she be the one to get out instead of him? I don't know. You could make Marianne Williamson could make the case. Dean, if you get out, uh, all of your support will come to me. Uh, And I'm better positioned to defeat Joe Biden for whatever reason. Now, the reality is, if we want to operate in in the real world, no matter which of them steps aside, um, Joe Biden's going to win the primary. There's not even a real primary. And I'm not saying that as something I'm cheerleading or attacking. It just when you have an incumbent president you don't run a real primary. Democrats do it. Republicans do it. And so it all kind of seems an exercise in futility. If we want to maximize our impact, it should be about what can we get from Biden in a second term? We've gotten quite a bit from him in the first term, which I'll talk about later on in the program. And that's where we are. So I don't know that Marianne is the one that should drop out. Uh, Dean Phillips could also drop out. Neither of them stands a chance. And just as a reminder, For people saying, David, why won't you interview Marianne Williamson? We invited her onto the program for any duration interview she wanted, and her press person said no. So that's where we are on the Marianne interview. We'll take a very quick break and follow up uh, with so much more right after this our sponsor. Oxygen is really the online banking app that you didn't know you needed. Oxygen has both personal and small business accounts. And what I find super compelling is they're geared towards entrepreneurs who want to turn some kind of side business into a full time business because oxygen will incorporate your small business for you while separating your personal and business banking to make things like invoicing, payroll and taxes easier. You can get up to five percent cash back on business expenses, up to an impressive six percent on personal spending with their debit cards, which is amazing. And then on the personal banking side, oxygen lets you send and receive money with your friends and family using peer to peer payments, easy to split a bill, share expenses, send holiday gifts to your loved ones and having won several awards for their industry leading benefits, features and cash back Oxygen is really the place to start and grow your business and it's great for personal banking as well. With over 750,000 accounts opened, Oxygen is a trusted resource with some of the best rewards in the industry. Go to slash oxygen to sign up for the account that works best for you or your business. The link is in the podcast notes. all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Weight loss is often not easy, especially if you're in your 30s or later. There is no miracle cure, right? The magic diet or the pill or the injection. It's just about healthy eating, not beating yourself up and having a plan. And that's what our sponsor, Ph.D. Weight Loss, understands. Ph.D. Weight Loss helps real people see real results at losing weight. It's lifestyle modification. It's using protocols from successful clinical trials. It's evidence based and it's very reasonable. The founder of PHD weight loss is licensed registered dietitian, Dr. Ashley Lucas. She has spent decades developing this program. You can check out their website and the amazing results that many people have had. There's no severe calorie restrictions, no medications or supplements, no crazy unsustainable exercise routines. It's healthy eating. Customized meal plan and weekly one-on-one coaching for a truly personal touch experience. You can learn more about PhD Weight Loss at myphdweightloss.com. Then call for a consultation at eight six four six four four nineteen hundred and mention the David Pakman Show to get a week of the program totally free. Again, you can learn more at myphdweightloss.com. Then call eight six four six four four one nine zero zero for a consultation and mention my show to get a week for free. The info is in the podcast notes. Last night's final political rally for the failed former president Donald Trump before tonight's New Hampshire election did not go well. Not only was the event riddled with hecklers and protesters not a common thing for Donald Trump's rallies. We'll get to that in a moment. Donald Trump looked as bad and sounded as bad as he ever has A sort of apricot colored absolutely delusional application of of, uh, makeup, soaking wet and dripping, but slurring very, very much struggling to put together sentences. This was in Laconia, New Hampshire. We streamed this one live and it was actually difficult to watch. Listen to this completely deranged, futile attempt at making a sentence in the English language. This is really, really tough to watch,
3: which is incapable of solving even the smallest, smallest problem, the simplest of problems we can no longer solve. We can't do anything. We are an institute in a powerful death penalty. We will
0: put this on. We did. What on earth which is incapable of solving even the smallest problem. We are an institute in a powerful death penalty. We will put this on. It doesn't mean anything in the English language. And people stand there like this is normal, difficult to listen to the entire thing as sweat poured through Trump's caked on burnt umber bronzer Uh, QAnon theme music playing and Trump completely garbling the teleprompter speech with that creepy voice in bizarre altered syntax. Trump saying already that he will deny the results of the 2024 election. And the only way they're going to win, in my opinion, is if they cheat. There it is. The only way they're going to win, in my opinion, is if they cheat. At another point that really raised cognitive questions, Trump using shooting sounds like ding ding, swing, whoosh boom to describe apparently the Iron Dome. And uh, again, looking extraordinarily unstable and disoriented. This is just getting really difficult. Uh,
3: These are not muscle guys here. They're muscle guys up here, right? And they calmly walk to a seat, ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out. Right. Boom. Okay, missile launch. Pshin, boom, Pshin,
0: boom. That's it's Pshin, boom. Bashin, boom. This is not a normal political event. And I was actually worried when Trump went into that description that he was going to reveal classified information useful to our, our adversaries. Fortunately, I don't think machine boom is going to be particularly useful to China in figuring out how that Iron Dome works. As scary as Trump's performance was notable that the rally was plagued, plagued by hecklers And I want to talk about that next. You know, one of the things that was very different about Donald Trump's final rally in New Hampshire before tonight's primary, this was in Laconia, New Hampshire, which Trump at one point called it Laconia as if it were Hebrew, almost um, was that I've never seen a Trump rally plagued by this many hecklers and protesters. And Trump doesn't like it. Trump gets visibly irritated, sweating even more, getting even more orange, if you can imagine. As this was taking place, I don't know how they got in. I don't know the backstory of any of this, but um, it's certainly an interesting thing to see. Take a look. Those
3: are fascists, by the way. Those are the people that are a danger to the country. But never forget our enemies want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom.
0: So the person starts heckling, and Trump, people start booing, and Trump just stops. All right. So heckler number one, Trump's a little bit irritated. Trump then heckled again when coming back to the microphone, looking increasingly agitated.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. Those are great people. I was also honored. (laughs) She's back. She's back.
0: And listen, guys, I know uh, half the comments last night were about how it looks like Trump's wearing clown makeup and how the the face paint is just so distracting. I'm with you. I'm with you. But, But we're talking about the hecklers here. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much. That's beautiful. I was also honored. This is very important because I was also she's going home now. Where have you been, darling? You know, we don't have that like we used to. We used to have it all the time.
0: Yeah. All right. So then yet another one, yet another one of these. How
3: about These numbers. How about these numbers in the new Redfield, Wilton, poll? It's Trump. 72 Haley nine in Nevada.
0: All right. And then now a protester starts getting taken out by law enforcement. All right. So bye bye to that one. And then lastly, just this is just a really scary moment. The other moment where someone notably shouted out was they said, free the J sixers, meaning just stop the process of law and order and let accused criminals go. And Trump says we will really scary moment. By the way, "Where We Go, One We Go All" is a QAnon chant. That's what you heard there. Trump smiles, and then here we go. Where we, go, one, we, go all. we will free the J Sixers, and Trump nods and says, "We will." This is the uh, party that claims to be about law and order. This is the party that claims to be about supporting and defending law enforcement. And Trump's plan, whether it's doable or not, I don't know. Trump's plan is to just let them go. Let the alleged rioters go pardon the ones that have already been convicted and sentenced. How exactly is he going to do that? We don't have an answer, but the fact that he plans to try should scare anybody who claims to care about due process, respecting the justice system and law and order, which they claim to, but not when it's inconvenient to them. Super scary final rally for Trump before tonight's election. Also, we've reached a new low in this Republican primary. We have reached the point in the Republican primary where Donald Trump is challenging his opponents to a dementia test. I'm not kidding. Donald Trump now, in the wake of a scary cognitive issue over the weekend where he talked about Nikki Haley being responsible for January six security in D.C., he now, during an interview with Fox News yesterday, challenged Nikki Haley to a dementia test and says that he would do better than her, which is a particularly interesting moment because if he would do the test basically is you have dementia or you don't. And so, by saying he would do better, I guess he's saying he thinks Nikki Haley has dementia to some degree. It's a very strange thing. Here it is, and how we are at this point in the primary where the candidates are challenging each other to dementia tests. Uh, this, this is really, really wacky stuff.
3: Um, so Nikki Haley says now she has the two person race that she's always wanted. She has been coming after you strongly in the past few days. It's worked both ways um, and you've come after her as well. She she keeps bringing up your age lately. What do you say about that? Well, I think I'm a lot sharper than her. I would do this. I would sit down right now and take an aptitude test and it would be my result against her result.
0: And she's not going to win. She's Not going to even come close to winning. She won't come close to winning. I mean, I, I think what Trump is saying is she would do worse than he does on a dementia or brain injury screening test, which that's the first time I've ever heard that said about Nikki Haley. Uh,
3: in fact, when I heard the word cognitive, you know, I've taken two of them now. I took one with Doc Ronnie, who's now a fantastic, you know, White House doctor and a fantastic uh, congressman from Texas, Admiral, the White House doctor. Jackson, Ronnie Jackson, and right. he's now a great congressman from Texas. I took uh, one then and I took one recently. I think the result was announced
0: and it was I aced it twice. I Why Trump took another cognitive test recently, we still don't know.
3: But I would say that, you know, I've actually called for a cognitive
0: test for anybody running for president because so has Nikki. I mean, listen, they, they both called for it, I guess, just sit down and take the dementia test. Republicans are challenging each other to dementia tests. That's where they are in the process of selecting their nominee. In case you were wondering, as deranged as it gets. And I'll tell you what, bring on the dementia tests. I would like to see it. I would like to see if it's true that Nikki Haley would struggle to score as well as Trump on the test. Uh, We'll take a quick break. Congressman Ro Khanna will join us next. We will later hear from Elise Stefanik. It's going to be quite a show. If you're like me, and I know so many of you are just like me, you hate the sticking and the rubbing that comes with traditional underwear. I'm sure most gentlemen in my audience know what I'm talking about. Our sponsor, Sheath Underwear, solves the problem. They have a patented ergonomic underwear design, separate compartments in the front. Everything stays dry, cool, and comfortable with Sheath. You do away with the chafing and the sweating. Everything can air out and breathe and be fresh, large variety of designs, something for everyone. The air circulation in sheath underwear allows for a huge difference. And you've got to try it yourself to understand. I can tell you firsthand next level comfort down there. Sheath also now is offering super comfortable women's underwear as well as silky smooth base layer undershirts and bottoms for men. Sheath has world-class customer service, super fast shipping, over 20,000 five-star reviews. Sheath is the perfect gift for the men and the women on your shopping list. Check it out at sheathunderwear.com/packman and you'll get 20% off with the code PACKMAN. The link is down below. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. Our sponsor, Aura, is the all-in-one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. You'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at aura.com slash pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A U R A dot com slash pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. It's great to welcome back to the program today, Congressman Ro Khanna, representing California's 17th district located in the heart of Silicon Valley. Uh, Congressman, it's great to have you on. You know, we we are increasingly seeing these two competing narratives about the context of the 2024 presidential election. Maybe we'll start there and work down to some of the legislation that's that's going on. One story is When the economy, when looking at these important five or six metrics, unemployment, inflation, stock market, GDP, right, you look at these basic metrics, it looks good. And presidents tend to get reelected historically when the economy looks like this. That's one story. The other story is it was easy in August to say the polling isn't really telling us too much yet, but it's almost February. and. In a majority of these hypothetical general election polls, Joe Biden's not only losing to Donald Trump, he's losing to other potential Republicans as well. Com- seemingly competing stories. How do you see it?
4: Well, I think we have to have a better performance on the economy. We're down 20 to 25 points, even if you don't believe the head to head polls or there's some discrepancy there. Uh, the polling has been pretty consistent that the president is down twenty to twenty five points on the economy. Now the question, in other is, words,
0: people's perception of how he's handling it.
4: People's perception of how he's handling it that they prefer Donald Trump by twenty to twenty five points. Now the question right. is why. Uh, some of it is uh, the cost of living, right? I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. She said that it costs thirty dollars a pound for uh, ribeye steak, uh, and that uh, ten years ago it used to cost. Uh, Five to ten dollars a pound, uh, and now she's buying New York steak. Uh, doesn't like it as much, uh, but uh, has to tighten uh, the, the 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 belt around uh, uh, groceries. And you've had prices increase for rent, and you've had prices increase for childcare. And people are borrowing money. She was telling the story of her uh, mother-in-law who needed to borrow uh, ten thousand dollars for some cancer treatment that wasn't fully covered by. Uh, by the the copay, So I think you talk to average Americans and they say it's too expensive to to live in uh, America, that our wages have gone up, but not dramatically and not as high, not as fast as the cost of living. And uh, this is deals with a structural problem uh, of the middle class and working class uh, feeling that they've uh, fallen behind. And I think that that was exacerbated uh, during COVID and during the inflationary period And it reminded people that uh, their lives are still difficult.
0: So then in terms of what this means for the twenty twenty four election, is is it time to be worried? Is it time to panic? Or do you think that ultimately uh, this is this is going to be okay because of the bigger picture about the economy?
4: I I don't think panic is ever a good strategy for running a race, but I think it's uh, Time to be clear-eyed about this being a tough uh, fight, and uh, I would not run a morning in America. Everything is great. uh, Let's vote. Thank you, Joe Biden, for uh, four years of passing legislation. Election. I would say uh, we understand that you're going through tough times. We understand that uh, it's still hard to make uh, uh, ends meet. Uh, Here are the things uh, we did uh, to prioritize the working class in my in my first term. We uh, brought massive investment in infrastructure to create good-paying construction jobs. We brought back some factories. Here are the three things I'm going to do in a second term uh, to prioritize working-class Americans. That's going to mean that we're finally going to get a, a minimum wage increase. Uh, we're going to have universal childcare. Uh, we're going to make sure that we have uh, housing, uh, build many more units and make housing more affordable. Or pick three main things and then contrast it with Donald Trump. Uh, we know what he's going to do because he did it in his first term. He did massive tax cuts to uh, the corporations and and, and the wealthy. But I I think we need a choice election on the economy uh, and we need a few forward looking agenda. What we're going to do to help working and middle class Americans.
0: I had your colleague Eric Swalwell on a few weeks ago, uh, maybe closer to two months ago. And he said at that point he thought Republicans in the House were going to impeach Joe Biden, no matter what the inquiry turns up. The idea being to create a sort of parody, where it will be two candidates who have been impeached, an attempt to level the playing field, which maybe they believe will will help them in November. Over the last, m- I believed it too at the time. Over the last month, they've been far quieter. Occasionally, Maria Bartiromo will say, "Hey, what evidence do you have?" And they'll say, "You know, we're looking for the evidence. They don't really have any evidence." Is your sense from talking to your your colleagues on the other side of the aisle that they remain committed to push forward with this thing, or, or are they going to let it quietly die?
4: I think they're divided. One, they're divided. I'm on the oversight committee, which Comer leads, and one, they're divided because they just haven't done that well objectively. I mean, they've had their own witnesses say there's not enough there there to, to impeach and right. so uh they and there are about 20 30 people in their own caucus who don't want to vote for impeachment they're in swing districts uh that, candidly they saw what happened to democrats when we voted to impeach trump twice it it was the right thing to do but it was not politically helpful uh it actually in polling strengthened trump after the impeachment and here there's no uh legitimacy so i, I think that uh, if i had to guess it's going to be tough for them uh, to get uh, 2030 holdouts, and and my sense is they won't actually impeach, but we'll just keep this hearings going to create a uh, a, a, a cloud of smoke uh, of, of Hunter Biden and potential impropriety. I also think, candidly, that the better the poll numbers are looking for Trump and Trump versus Biden, the more they're going to want to run on the economy, which is a far better uh, campaign for them than to relitigate whether Biden should be impeached for January 6th.
0: That seems to be without question uh, true. I want to talk a little bit about the op-ed you wrote in The New York Times about A.I. Uh, We've interviewed a bunch of people on the program about A.I., some like, for example, uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky, who believes this is so dangerous that all of it needs to be stopped right now. Total moratorium. Uh, This could quite literally kill humans, uh, kill humanity. On the other side, you have a number of different thoughtful views, I think, about any technology brings with it risks and possible downsides. But stopping a technology uh, rarely has worked in history, and the approach should be regulation and limiting the downsides while maximizing the upsides. What do you think should be done in terms of a regulatory framework in order to achieve the biggest upside and minimize the downside?
4: Well, first of all, it's important to understand, in my view, what AI is right now, and that is that. Uh, you, you, generative AI uh, basically is the ability to detect patterns and complete sentences. Now, what's different than what your iPhone has been able to do or Google has been able to do for years? Uh, generative AI figured out that you could put hordes of data. You could basically put the entire Internet uh, into this pattern detection. And before that, you had to put very limited data. So it wasn't some massive advance Uh, thinking. It was just the ability to have massive amounts of data. Generalized AI would be trying to an AI that actually could comprehend beyond pattern detection. I think we're far away from that. And remember, Immanuel Kant tried to figure out how human thinking works, and we're still trying to figure it out. And I think the idea that uh, AI has modeled human thinking is naive. And uh, Noam Chomsky had a great op-ed in the New York Times explaining it for people who want to get into more more depth. So I think this sense that AI is going to outwit human uh, creativity and intelligence, we're at least a long way away from there. But even generative AI has dangers. And the two places we have to have the biggest uh, uh, regulatory framework is what are we putting into it? because if you're putting garbage into it, you're going to get garbage out. And so what are we doing in terms of misinformation and bias? And uh, are we having some sanitized data sets? And the second thing is, uh, if this has predictive uh, ability and the ability to do road tasks, what does it mean for labor and, and jobs? And that's what I wrote up in the New York Times. You can either have this AIB enhancing, uh, augmenting. I mean, you could use it before interviewing me and it may give you some uh, topics to explore, or
0: you can all it. these questions were written by Chat GPT. You there might be you shocked. Out. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But no, no, we th- that that I think you're getting to the real question, which is there's a really good study which found for people who are in what we might call um, uh, knowledge jobs, this may be a really great thing which allows them to significantly increase what's often defined as productivity. And I can think of a whole bunch of ways in which these tools could do the jobs of a social media manager or whatever. Right. So someone like me in in such a position, to me, it seems like mostly upside. The same study found that for certain individuals in other types of jobs, it actually could be a very bad thing because it could make them unnecessary or irrelevant. And the effect will be to to widen income inequality. I'm guessing that's a concern you share.
4: Yes. And I, and I guess the question is, does it have to, uh, you know, for example, when we call a uh, a customer service support, how often do you press zero 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 saying get me to a human voice? You're, I'm almost fighting with the right. uh, phone system. That, in my view, is a case of often excessive automation, uh, where you would probably be better off having human representatives augmented by technology instead of being totally displaced and so i think the question is how do you make sure that the workers themselves whether they be writers of hollywood scripts uh, truck drivers customer support are having a say in the use of this technology in their own roles in the credentialing of this technology and you don't just have harvard and stanford mbas saying we want to help the bottom line and eliminate payroll and do so at the uh, expense of a company's culture and long-term performance. And that's why I have called, called in the, the uh, uh, AI uh, essay in the New York Times for worker participation in AI decision-making uh, in what would happen to people before their extensive layoffs and worker participation in the profits. I, I think what AI does is just ex- exacerbate or highlight the challenge of, uh, of, of of capitalism and having workers have a say in capitalism.
0: So, on the regulation question, do you want companies and workers to decide and how this goes forward without imposing government regulation, or do you think there needs to be some regulatory involvement?
4: There needs to definitely be regulatory involvement. I would have regulatory involvement on safety and what AI's data sets are, and then in the labor context, I would say public companies that are uh, making decisions of uh, uh, of workforce downsizing or elimination or transformation need to have. Uh, a workforce committee participating uh, in that decision making. uh, And I would have federal tax incentives to give workers a share of the company profits, like Sears Roebuck used to do for many, many years before uh, the sort of corporate takeover culture of the 1980s. So I, I definitely think on labor law, there need to be regulations, and I would defer to workers' sense of safety and requirements. So, in the truck driver's case, I would have, su- I did support the California legislation saying there should be a human on board trucks over ten thousand uh, pounds. And in close calls like that, I'd say let's listen to the workers about what jobs they think are needed. I, I think it's insulted to the working class or unions uh, to believe they do make make up work or fake jobs.
0: I want to talk a little bit about immigration. There is the perception among many that something really jarring happened the day Joe Biden became president on immigration policy and that what's happening today is a 180 compared to what was happening under Donald Trump. A deeper look shows that this is certainly not the case, but the perception is what matters here. And there is certainly an appetite to see Joe Biden do something at the border. Or with immigration or with DACA or with overstayed visas to, to give the sense that he is taking it seriously in a way that some voters don't think that he is doing. What do you think is the lowest hanging fruit on the immigration issue that you would like to see done?
4: First of all, the, the polling showed that the support for immigration actually went up under Donald Trump because his policies were so draconian and now have fallen uh, under Joe Biden as a baseline. I think the Democratic Party has to draw on the traditions of John F. Kennedy, Mario Cuomo, Barack Obama, and make the case that immigrants enrich America. As cliched as that sounds, uh, we don't do that enough. And on the other hand, you have uh, rhetoric that I- immigrants are poisoning the blood of America. And so, if you have one-sided critique blaming immigrants for a decline in people's economic uh, living standards, and the other side. Uh, scared of our own shadow to make the case for immigrants, you can understand why the polling would be skewed uh, against us. But I do think there are real issues at the border. I'm not going to dismiss that. What we need is what the president's proposed, but he needs to propose it more loudly and clearly, uh, more funding for border patrol agents, more immigration judges and uh, attorneys, so we can quickly adjudicate legitimate claims from non-legitimate claims, a, a, a clear process of being able to work in this country uh, if, once you're, you're here, so you're not uh, forced to just be on the public goal when you want to work. Uh, and an increase in legal immigration uh, so that people uh, are able to come here and contribute without uh, having to go through the treacherous journey and, uh, and, 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 and break laws.
0: You know, one of the things that I don't often hear discussed, particularly by those who oppose immigration of all kinds, is uh, some kind of accounting for what is being described for some as the birth rate crisis. And there's a book I bought I haven't yet read. It's called Empty Planet, the shock of global population decline. People like Elon Musk and others have talked about, hey, you know what? There's a whole bunch of countries where you're, you're going to see population declines. Population is about to peak. But then population will start going down in a traditional neoclassical economic world. Growth comes from people working and producing stuff. And you would think that some of the folks who are opposed to immigration would realize if the population starts to decline, this is going to be an economic problem. So I find it very interesting that if you are concerned about the birth rate, as many of these folks claim to be. Uh, you would be thinking of other ways to continue increasing the population of the country since that's where economic growth comes from. And yet they just say, no, we've got too many people here. They can't keep coming in. Have you given some thought to, to the impact of peak population and subsequent declines in Western nations and what it will do economically?
4: Well, I think you make an important case that a, a, a nation for economic growth that needs people and needs productivity and they need young people. And that immigrants have often been that source for the United States, uh, both in terms of their ambition, in terms of their work ethic, in terms of their uh, th- their ability to do uh, jobs where we have uh, massive shortages, and that if we have uh, appropriate uh, laws protecting unions and protecting uh, workers uh, and preventing against corporate abuse, uh, then they actually won't have a decline in uh, in in wages, and one of the things reasons uh, uh, to to do this, it's getting into a bit of economics. But when workers come here who are immigrants, okay, you have an increase in the supply of labor, uh, but you also have an increase in the demand of labor because those workers are spending things in a community. And of most of the economists have looked at it say that the increase in demand, outstrips the increase in supply under good labor laws and you don't have a depressive wage effect. So I I think we have to make these kind of arguments that uh, that that immigrants uh, uh, do enrich the the United States and that that we should have an orderly and humane process for uh, how it uh, how it happens. But a lot of this is not about economics. It's about culture. And there's this fear that you know, we're becoming an America that is culturally different, which is why I think we also have to talk about the patriotism of of immigrants uh, my parents used to take me every every year to the Constitutional Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell uh, as we would have relatives uh, uh, visit. And, uh, you know, I think many immigrants are like that.
0: we We've been speaking with Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna, who represents California's 17th District. Always appreciate your time and insights.
4: Thank you. Well, I, I, I greatly appreciate your voice.
0: I've had such trouble finding a great razor where I am not cutting myself or getting those nicks on my skin, which are so common with the cheap disposable razors. You have to meet our sponsor, Henson Shaving. Henson actually manufactures parts for the International Space Station and the Mars Rover. And they are bringing that exact same precision engineering to the shaving experience. It hurts when you shave because blades extend too far and thus they wobble slightly. But with their aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson is able to make metal razors that extend just zero point zero zero one three inches. That's less than the thickness of a human hair, which means a secure, stable blade with a vibration free shave. It also has built in channels to evacuate the hair and the cream. No more clogs, no more rubbing your thumb on the razor to get the hair out. I use Henson at home. Shaving is a great experience now. Henson wants to be the best razor, not the best razor business. Which means you only need to buy it once and it's awesome. Go to hensonshaving.com slash Pacman, add a razor and a hundred pack of blades to your cart, then enter the code Pacman to get the hundred blades for free. That is a three year supply. That's H E N S O N shaving.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. It really seemed that nobody, nobody in this Republican Party was going to defend or try to explain away Trump's bizarre cognitive gaffe, where he repeatedly blamed Nikki Haley for failing to provide adequate security in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Clearly it was Nancy Pelosi that Trump was thinking about, but he couldn't get it out. It was Nikki Haley, this Nikki Haley that, okay, nobody's going to 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 defend that, right? right? Right. Wrong. Here is video of Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, one of the most despicable brown nosing Trump suck ups who just lies uncontrollably uncontrollable liar saying that no, no, no. Here's what Trump meant. Nikki Haley relies on Democrats like Nancy Pelosi for everything. So in a sense. Nikki Haley was connected to security on January 6th. It's as absurd and patently vapid as it sounds. But Elise Stefanik is willing to debase herself. That's the thing she's shown Trump. You know, DeSantis talked about willing to kiss Trump's ring. Elise Stefanik is willing to kiss the ring. Listen to this.
1: That isn't a mix up. Uh, the reality is Nikki Haley, she wasn't speaker. Nikki Haley is relying on Democrats just like Nancy Pelosi uh, to try to have a desperate showing in New York in New Hampshire. But he was so talking President about Trump, January 6th. President Trump has not lost a step. He is a stronger candidate, stronger than he is today than he was in 2016 <laughs> and he was in 2020.
0: This is it's like talking to a delusional person.
1: Compare that to Joe Biden's weakness.
0: She knows what she's saying is a lie. She knows it's untrue. I'm going to try to interpret the argument she's making. Trump says Nikki Haley failed to provide security on January 6, 2021. It's Nikki Haley's fault that the riots got out of control. Oh, that's a cognitive gaffe. He obviously meant Nancy Pelosi. Alistair Fanick says no. Nikki Haley is relying on Democrats to help her win the New Hampshire primary in 2024. So, Trump was right about what he said. But wait a second. Trump was talking about January 6, 2021. It doesn't have anything to do with Democrats voting in New Hampshire tomorrow. It has everything to do with what was happening in DC on January 6, 2021. Elise Stefanik goes, No, 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 no. We know Nikki Haley is dependent on Democrats to win this primary. So, that what Trump said was correct. What the Lincoln Project tweeted that that video of Elise Stefanik is what selling your soul for Maga looks like. And just as a reminder, uh, Donald Trump's statement about this was abundantly clear. It was abundantly clear that that's not at all what uh, what he was referring to. I'll just play it here for you once. Just as a reminder, nothing about New Hampshire, Democrats, not at all.
3: They never report the crowd on January 6. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. You know, they do, did. You know, they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it because of lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers, National guards, so whatever they want. They turned it down. They don't want
0: to talk about that. The worst I have ever seen Trump during a rally and Elise Stefanik defends it. She sold her soul for MAGA. I wonder what she'll get out of it. Quite frankly, at the end of the day, I don't even know that it's worth it to her. Who will be the Republican vice presidential running mate to Donald Trump? Increasingly a question. Donald Trump claims that he already selected the individual. That's what he said during a Fox News town hall a couple weeks ago who
3: would be in the running for a vice president.
0: Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know. Oh, it's
3: going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with Oh, any sure. Of them? I will.
0: I will. I've already started like Chris. All right. So the point here is Trump says he's already selected the person who it's going to be. Now, of course, Trump lies all the time. It may not be true that Trump has selected the person already, it may be true that Trump has thought about someone but hasn't told them. It's also possible that Trump has chosen but is simply going to change his mind. We just don't know. But here is Donald Trump Jr. This is super scary. Interviewed on Newsmax and says Tucker Carlson is someone being considered to be Trump's vice president. If you thought that another Trump presidency couldn't possibly be more damaging to the country than Trump's first four years, I have four words for you. Vice President Tucker Carlson. For president, could you see your father running with Ron DeSantis? I asked him that question over the summer, and he didn't rule it out. Could you see Ron DeSantis? Hey, how, have you,
2: it's hard, you know. They, they, people do that. Like, you know, I, 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 I would do whatever I could to make sure it wasn't Nikki Haley. But uh, you know, like Ron DeSantis, could I see? You're never going to rule out someone that is, you know, a leading contender, it doesn't mean that's who you go with. I could see other people. That would be great. I'd love to see, you know, a J.D. Vance. I'd love to see a Tucker Carlson. I'd love to see, you know, people who are just principally, uh, you know, in alignment as well as, like, aggressive. You you actually need a fighter. The Republicans in Washington, D.C. are weak. You can have the House, the Senate, and they'll still roll over. Don, is
0: your dad Uh, serious about Tucker Carlson? Are Are those rumors serious?
2: No, I would You know, listen, that's clearly it would be on the table, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're very friendly. I think they agree on virtually all of these things. They certainly agree on stopping the never ending wars. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would love to see that happen. And, you know, that, that would certainly be a contender. Ben Carson, those rumors legit. Ben's great. I mean, what, what a what a great uh, what a great America.
0: All right. So he, everybody else. Oh, this is a good person. That's a good person. Uh, the strangest thing about the entire Tucker Carlson idea is that it would really be a play to the most kind of brazen political opportunism in the sense that Tucker has made it clear he doesn't actually like Donald Trump from the leaked text messages associated with the Fox News Dominion lawsuit. We learned that Tucker Carlson said that he vehemently despises Trump and anxiously looked forward to when Trump never had to be spoken about again. And yet he still is now hanging out with Trump. And it is being discussed that since they're so friendly, he's potentially going to be a vice president. Uh, I believe that Tucker does uh, hate Trump. I believe that Tucker was not lying in those text messages. It's Tucker's opportunism and desire, this kind of atavistic desire to be associated with those in power that keeps him around Donald Trump. And the funny thing is, Trump also doesn't really care whatever it is that Tucker texted. If Tucker's willing to suck up to Trump now, that's fine. And this is what it means to have friends in Trump's world. It's we agree to stop attacking each other because we perceive that we can use the other person. Trump may see Tucker as someone he can use and Tucker may see Trump as someone he can use to maybe end up as the vice president of the United States. As scary as the idea of another Trump four years are. The idea of Vice President Tucker Carlson should also really uh, uh, scare us and motivate us to make sure that that absolutely does not happen. Now, do I think Tucker's the most likely pick? No, but there are people who write to me. They say Tucker's the obvious pick or Vivek is the obvious pick or Carrie Lake is the obvious pick. I don't think there's any chance it's Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake's running for Senate. I just don't see that as uh, really a, a likely scenario. There was talk of Christy Nome, for example. Maybe, except she has been so completely out of the public spotlight that it seems a little hard to imagine that Trump would do that because much of Trump's decision making is guided by what's been on TV recently. So I don't have any guesses. But what I am very scared of is that it will be Tucker Carlson. Let's hope it is not. We have a voicemail number that you can call anytime you want. That number is two one nine 2 David P. Here is a progressive saying. My progressive friends don't know why should they vote for Joe Biden? Please help me figure out an answer.
2: This is Lily from Kentucky. I have a lot of friends who voted for Biden in 2020, but they don't want to vote for him in 2024 because they feel his platform hasn't been progressive enough. What are some of the best policy accomplishments or arguments I can make uh, and show them to help to convince them to vote for him again in 2024? Thank you for taking my voicemail.
0: Well, listen. This is a really good question when progressives say. But why? Why would I vote for Joe Biden? What is it that we should talk about? It's actually the difficulty is not in finding accomplishments. The difficulty is in knowing which ones will resonate with whoever you're talking to. But in no particular order, some of the things that come to mind to me, chips and science act, The uh, one of the things that left and right seem to agree upon is we need to do more domestic manufacturing among so many other great things. The Chips and Science Act bolsters domestic manufacturing. It's U.S.-based jobs that pay well. The uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which does so many different things, including bolstering major green energy investment. I think progressives like that. I'm a progressive and I certainly like it capping prescription drug prices at two thousand dollars per year for seniors on Medicare. Doesn't matter million dollars a year in medications you might need no matter what, your out of pocket cap is two thousand dollars. That's a really big deal. The infrastructure bill, the covid vaccine rollout. Biden has done more student loan forgiveness than any president in history requesting that cannabis be rescheduled to no longer be schedule one. It hasn't happened yet. It's in process. I'm hoping it does. We've been talking for a decade about one of the major first steps in doing what needs to be done with cannabis is getting it off of that schedule one. Having cannabis and heroin on the same list doesn't make any sense. Joe Biden has directed that to be changed. It's now going through the process to the extent that presidents guide the economy. And they do to some degree, right? I mean, when we say gas prices, it's not 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 up to the president. President has a little bit of an effect. Economic numbers. Presidents have some effect to the extent that presidents guide the economy. Presiding over record low unemployment sustained longer than we've seen it before. This low dramatically reduced inflation record after record in the stock market. That is a major thing, especially if your expectation was that the economy would crater. Biden got us out of a 20 year quagmire in Afghanistan. Was it a mess? It was a mess. Would it have been a mess under Trump? Of course it would have. But we're out and we needed to be out after 20 damn years there. The American Rescue Plan dramatically reduced child poverty and we saw increases in child tax credits, which I think are a great thing and a progressive perspective uh, uh, on how we should be doing uh, taxation, gave Medicare. The power to negotiate drug prices. We saw insulin capped at thirty five dollars a month. Ten of the most used drugs for Medicare recipients are now being negotiated as big pharma companies were forced to come to the table and negotiate those prices. And what's difficult is there is so much that Joe Biden has done. And think for a second what Republicans have offered during this time, obstruction Hesitation to get rid of George de Sanctos, who obvious, obviously should have been gone on day one after we found out all the things he lied about, uh, focusing on, quote, men and women's sports, focusing on lists of books that shouldn't be allowed in schools and taking power away from professional educators to decide what and how should things be taught and with which materials. Think of the contrast to me as a progressive when I look at what Joe Biden has done over the last three plus years. It's difficult to even have a full conversation because there are so many things. So I hope some of those accomplishments are useful. There really has been something for everyone in this administration. Is it God's gift to progressivism? It is not, at least not yet. Is it an administration that on paper has accomplished as much as any of the last five, six, seven administrations? It probably is. And so if your progressive friends are unsure, uh, have them call into the show. I'd love to talk to them. We have a tremendous bonus show for you today. Producer Pat will be joining me on the bonus show. We will talk about a Supreme Court decision which will allow the Biden administration to remove razor wire on the U.S.-Mexico border. Why does he want to do this? Why are right wingers furious? We'll answer those questions. New York City Plans to wipe out $2 billion in medical debt for about half a million residents. The program is an interesting one. We will discuss that. And lastly, Florida Republicans have nixed a plan to have taxpayers foot the bill for Trump's legal bills. That is a great decision. Why did this Florida Republican go in this direction rather than the other? Well, we'll tell you all about it on the bonus show. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. The coupon code is savedemocracy 24. And I really hope to see you tonight for live election results in New Hampshire starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I will be live on YouTube. I will be live on Twitch and I will be live on Facebook. See you on the bonus show. See you tonight. We'll be back tomorrow.